welcome the listeners to this episode of Block Tales. The Block Tales podcast enters its second season here in 2018 with more interviews, stories, and experiences by today's industry leaders. The blockchain economy is getting more attention than ever before, and as your host of the Block Tales podcast, I strive to ask all of the right questions that you, the listeners, need to know. As many of our listeners know, I was born and raised in Vancouver, Canada. At the time, Vancouver was a small West Coast city, and today it's a thriving technopolis of startups and is referred to as Silicon Valley North. Keeping with its West Coast attitude, Vancouver thrives with technologies and green energy, sustainable tech, and smart cities technology. Smart Cities New York, which ran May 8th to 11th here in New York City, was filled with countries demonstrating their MVPs, their minimal viable products, their ongoing initiatives, and the challenges that their products incurred. The city of Vancouver was there at Smart Cities New York and was being represented by City Mayor Gregor Robertson, who I got a chance to sit down with and speak about some of Vancouver's Smart Cities tech. Mr. Mayor, won't you tell me a little bit about what you see as some differences between Vancouver and New York and then some of the parodies as well? So there are differences for sure. I, I, I mean, we, we have both have very dense downtowns. I think are probably the two of the densest downtowns in, uh, in the Americas. Uh, which is good for growth and 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 vibrancy, um, challenging for congestion and uh, getting people in and out. So there there are similarities in the layout, but New York is uh, you know many times bigger. So the problems are compounded here. So speaking of capacity, um, tell me a little bit about how you how you get over the challenges of the capacity in Vancouver, the increase in traffic and the lack of public transportation to begin with, and then how do you move people at that capacity? Yeah, it's been tough with uh, the growth of the city and a very limited land base. We're, we're hemmed in by mountains, ocean, and the U.S. border, and so we, we can't expand or sprawl. The growth of the city is all vertical at this point, and uh, we, in terms of transportation, uh, all our planning around the region is focused on transportation nodes. It's all transit-oriented development at this point, uh, which is smart city growth. But we do have capacity issues. We just uh, we just launched our next big phase of transit growth, about a $10 billion 10-year uh, plan that mayors across the region and um, other levels of government came to terms on, and we're building that out now. We, we basically can't add more cars uh, to the city. We, um, we're full, and so all of the efforts with transportation are to, to shift people out of cars. It's all the new population growth that we have, we want to make sure that um, you know, we're, not, we're not adding cars and we're uh, moving people around using transit, improving the transit system, and uh, walking and biking are, the, are number one and number two in terms of our our transportation priorities. So we, everything we build, everything that we develop, has that orientation of uh, being able to walk and bike. And uh, I, uh, I can appreciate the bike paths that Vancouver has. So many of they're great, they're wide, they're everywhere. It's such a such a pleasure when I come to the city uh, to bike or, to bike around that. That being said, um, when looking at increasing capacities, even if it's in bikes bike sharing programs or private and public partnerships. Can you talk a little bit about those challenges? Yeah, we do have a bike share system that's a, a public-private partnership. Uh, we um, also obviously have other transportation system uh, uh, partnerships with the private sector uh, and car sharing. We're actually number one in North America for car sharing. We have huge 
uh, car sharing fleets for companies that um, that provide cars for people to share. And that's been a, a really important part of enabling people to use cars as part of their uh, transportation needs, but they don't have to own a car. Um, and, and there's we have private partners to accomplish that, just as we do with the bikes. So those partnerships have been, uh, I think, really successful in enabling new types of transportation or ownership or uh, just more innovative approaches, uh, kind of in the smart city theme. Uh, they're good collaborations, and you know we just have to be clear about what what the terms are, and um, and when their public dollars being invested in these partnerships, or their incentives, like uh, there, there's you know parking spaces that we make available for the car sharing system, different companies. You know we have to be making the case to our taxpayers that there's a reason that there's some public support or subsidy for uh, for what our private transportation choices, um, just as there are subsidies for public transit and uh, moving people around in buses and trains. What uh, What are some of the topics that you spoke about on your panel today? How do you take those home and start to massage that a little? Well, I, it's, it's interesting. I spoke with a couple of mayors this morning from Rotterdam and Atlanta, and uh, Really interesting hearing uh, about the cybersecurity breach in Atlanta that happened uh, early this year, which I wasn't aware of the the magnitude of it and how how much it really disabled the city's functions, uh, which was a good wake up call. You know, I, and it wasn't anything they were prepared for either. You know, we we talk about cybersecurity, but the scale of uh, of uh, uh, of a ransomware attack on a massive city uh, system, uh, IT system, is uh, is kind of frightening. Um, and so, you know, I, I pick up things like that where I, I'll hear stories from other mayors or from transportation experts that, on the panel that I sat on uh, who were, you know, kind of here's the telling the leading edge of, uh, of what they're working on. And um, they're, they're really important lessons learned. I can I can take stuff back with me in terms of uh, you know working with the transit system in Vancouver and looking at how we make better decisions and decisions that have been made and successfully implemented in other cities. Can you talk a little bit about some data points that Vancouver collects and then maybe some of the um, outcomes of collecting that data that maybe have surprised you? Yeah, maybe two um, quick ones. I, uh, on the transportation front, we do we do regular data sampling of how people are getting around. Uh, obviously, we have counters on our roads, and we, we, we collect a lot of data uh, about the usage of cars and bikes and pedestrians and uh, transit, but then also getting data from people on, on how they mix their trips and, you know, first and last mile, what they're... It basically helps us shape the decisions we make with the infrastructure we're building and how it all fits together, uh, which if we didn't have that data, it would we just be... Uh, like a dartboard it would it would it would not serve in the end um so that data and feedback is hugely valuable for the transportation work that we do on the on the housing front we we crunched utility data uh, on houses and apartments across the whole city and figured out that we had about eleven thousand homes empty year round not using any electricity uh, in the home and that enabled us to bring forward an empty homes tax. And knowing that we had almost 11,000 empty homes year-round and we have a housing shortage, we could say, okay, we, we know this now, we have the data, and 
now we can uh, create an empty homes tax as a way to encourage people uh, to rent their homes or pay a higher tax that and that money goes into affordable housing so that, that data was it was hugely valuable in, in shaping a really important policy and uh, tax decision that I think is is really going to help the city and get more housing it's really great to to hear a city that has a lot of foreign um, ownership that that you're using smart technologies to help the city gain um, a better monetary response to to understanding that problem yeah that's uh, ultimately we we get data as well as people um, you know are are going through the process of filling out their tax forms and uh, you know we know where uh, you know some of those are coming from offshore we can we can assess uh, there's lots of information that comes in these days that can help us to understand um, who's in the city who's living in the city who's owning and paying taxes and uh, you know it's it's um, as a public body uh, you know we it's it's extremely valuable to have that and use that information and uh, obviously respecting privacy concerns and uh, all that, but I, I think it's uh, it's a real it's a new age of being able to to gather that information to to actually crunch it down and turn it into a, a, a useful actions that, that benefit the city. Mayor Robertson, please hold that thought. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with here at Smart Cities New York. I'm your host Tony Sklar, and you're listening to Block Tales. Fintech Connector is the first exclusive online membership community that connects local fintech entrepreneurs and startups with global professionals, thought leaders, and investors. Our, our mission statement is really that we want to revolutionize the way that fintech enablers, and those enablers are thought leaders, subject matter experts, professionals, investors, connect with innovators. Those innovators are the fintech startups, the fintech entrepreneurs. Connector, um, when we connect the startups innovators with enablers there's that analytical algorithm that's going to match them up automatically and then they're going to have that opportunity to enter this space and the innovators are going to be able to take their skills teach them the process and help them so that they can add value to their startups and that's the heart heartbeat of the of the innovator and community aspect of fintech connector and then the, the professionals are people like us who've had you know, a, a lot of experience in business that can help them, help the innovators then see their way through to um, becoming really successful. We're now in 20 cities, 16 countries. I think that's what FinTech Connector is about. It's about connecting all these jurisdictions and these locations through the, um, the, the FinTech Connector community and platform. And and there's Dubai and, and Bahrain and, and, and this is Berlin. So it's at fintechconnector.com and if you click on the right hand corner there's a little green sign up button just click on that and to help take that innovation from an idea or an MVP to that next serious level and that's where the diamond in the rough eventually becomes a fintech unicorn. Welcome back, listeners, to this episode of Block Tales, where during the Smart Cities New York conference this past May 8th to 11th, I had the opportunity to speak with many different influencers and leaders at the smart, in the Smart City ecosystem. In this interview, I'm speaking with Mayor Gregor Robertson from the city of Vancouver. So Va Vancouver is one of the prettiest cities in the entire world, and I'm not just saying that because I'm from there, as my listeners know, but I'm saying that because it's echoed throughout the globe. 
to keep it pretty, to keep emissions down. Vancouver is a very green city. What type of data points do you look at that will help continue to reduce the emissions? Well, we're very aggressive about uh, reducing our climate pollution and measuring our uh, greenhouse gas emissions, uh, tracking that, reporting the metrics. I mean, I'm, I'm part of the global covenant of mayors that now uh, basically manages the carbon reporting for 7,500 cities around the world uh, to a, the same standard. So we're all working on the same data set and, uh, and a common understanding of what we're reporting. And that, so we do that as a city and that helps us to track, well, we know we've got to deal with um, transportation emissions first and foremost uh, and, and building emissions from burning natural gas to heat some of our buildings. That's actually over half of our, our emissions come from uh, heat to heat the buildings and that's primarily in the winter. So we, then we can go through the process of how do we, how do we make that shift off of uh, natural gas and onto uh, renewable heat which is electricity or uh, we, we, we definitely track this stuff very closely. We have very clear goals and metrics that we um, they're monitoring. And the ultimate goal is 100% renewable energy that powers the entire city. And by 2050 at the latest, we're, we're hopeful it'll be 2040, but that will depend on the private sector too. And, and new uh, technology, you know, electric vehicles uh, rolling out at scale or automated vehicles. If, uh, which we will have to play a role in enabling. So there's a lot of big decisions ahead to get way down into the, the zero emissions and 100% renewable. But we're actually, we, our building code now, the requirements that we have now uh, embedded in it, 2030 and beyond, 100% uh, of all homes will have to be zero emissions. So we, we've sent that signal uh, that, that builders and construction industry need to be c capable of 100% reduction in, uh, in emissions by 2030 and uh, with a timetable from here to there so those are, those are big changes how, how you have a you have a close uh, relationship with the other cities that surround Vancouver the the other mayors as well as probably the provincial government and so how do you deal with the education for smart cities implementations well it's it's an evolving uh, realm to the the adoption of technology and ideas spreading between different cities. I mean, conferences like the Smart Cities Conference or gatherings of mayors and, and city leadership and professionals are hugely valuable in this exchange because things are moving really fast. You know, the technology is advancing. Things are moving really fast. <laughs> and, you know, the big companies uh, obviously push the pace, but... Um, the entrepreneurship right now in the urban technology or civic technology i mean there's there's these are entire new industries that are being birthed uh, by entrepreneurs uh, as very nimble and and we're trying to figure out how we enable them to work and, and implement their ideas at the city like we're we're used to dealing with big contracts slow procurement long time horizons but the, with the change in technology now, uh, we need to move faster and we need to work with more entrepreneurs and small companies and especially homegrown. We, we want to support local companies to, to develop great technology and, and then be able to market that around the world. I think that that is a, um, a, a sentiment that's echoed in a lot of cities is to support their startup communities, to um, allow the citizens to play in a sandbox with tools that are provided by the city so that the challenges within the city can be solved by its constituents. Yeah. 
that's totally right and and that's uh yeah so it's economic development at the same time that they're helping solve challenges that we have and that's that's a win-win and and it's it's been really interesting to see some of these ideas proliferate and uh you know technologies that vancouver companies have have uh, led in green buildings because we've we put the policy in place to say every rezoning is lead gold and higher or zero emission building policy by 2030 uh, that that helps to drive the innovation it creates that framework and then the entrepreneurs can go to town and uh, vancouver entrepreneurs can lead the charge and develop uh, solutions they're going to create big big successful businesses out of it and that's good for vancouver too is there is there anything that you've seen in New York City while you've been here that you uh, that you would like to import back to Vancouver besides the food? Yeah, well, New York has has so many strengths. Yesterday, I was um, I was along part of the new waterfront that's being transformed in Brooklyn uh, under under the Brooklyn Bridge there, and and I, it's just it's such a dramatic change from a, an old I think it was a parking truck parking lot or something like that, and. Uh, you know, just kind of very underutilized space that is now a beautiful public space uh, with recreation uh, and also development that's integrated into it. And and I, I just, it, it's such higher and better use of um, New York's waterfront. And we, um, we still have, I would say, underutilization of some of Vancouver's port lands. They're, they're kind of being held back because someday they, you know, we'll need them to grow the port. And we have the, bi- the biggest port on the west coast of North America, so it's, uh, you know, the, the port is always thinking of expanding its empire. But, uh, you know, the city's growing, and we have Portland, much like, like New York has, that would be nice to, to put into better use. So, uh, you know, it's, I think Vancouver could learn, even though we have great waterfront, we have a you know, world-class seawall that, that lots of people experience when they visit the city, but... We still have some gaps, and uh, it's interesting seeing New York's innovations and, and ambitious uh, work along their waterfront. New York has a lot of uh, public Wi-Fi available. Is that a project where you think that Vancouver could as well? Yeah, we've done a lot of work on public Wi-Fi. We have the biggest network in Canada, um, and I'm, I'm now you're, you're reminding me. i got to check and see how we compare with New York. We, we've actually got uh, public Wi-Fi at all of our bike share stations and at all of our community centers and public facilities now. So we've, um, we've been really aggressive in rolling out public Wi-Fi as a, as a great uh, equalizer uh, with technology. And it's gone really well. It's very well received and uh, it's a great public-private partnership uh, as well. We've, uh, we've had a couple of partners on it, um, the most notable being Shaw, which is a big uh, cable company in Canada. And, and they're a sponsor of our bike share system too. So it, it's been a it's been a useful partnership and uh, enables people to use public Wi-Fi for free. You've been listening to an interview with Mayor Gregor Robertson from the City of Vancouver at Smart Cities New York 2018. I was born and raised in the city of Vancouver, Canada, a city that makes the top 10 of everything lists on a yearly basis. I was very proud to see Vancouver represented among some of the great smart cities from around the world like Chicago, New York, Toronto, Amsterdam, and Stockholm at this year's Smart Cities New York Conference in this past May. 
If you get a chance to visit Vancouver, definitely take note of their free Wi-Fi at the bike share stands like Mayor Gregor Robertson had mentioned, but more importantly, take note of the smart cities technologies that are very visible in many different ways as you travel through the green and luscious city. I'm your host, Tony Sklar, and you've been listening to Block Tales. Here at Far From TV, we deliver business and technology news, data and insights, as well as opinions from top industry leaders on what's hot and what's wrong with today's technology ecosystem. You can follow us on Twitter at Far From TV, and please find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And don't forget about WeChat. You can find all of the Far From TV podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And when you find us and listen, please don't forget to give us a rating and a review. Your support means a lot to us, and we value your feedback. If you wish to send us a note, which you can do so on any of the social media platforms where you find us, and if you'd like to send us an email, please go right ahead and email us at info at farfrom.tv. That's I-N-F-O at farfrom.tv.